This week on the show, it's Carl's big screen test for MTV. Is it going to be his big opportunity? I, I noticed that Steve almost pitches Idiot Abroad in this show. Uh, that's coming up. Bum reading instead of palm reading. We really get into the concept of bum reading and even watch a video of someone doing bum reading. Um, it's fascinating stuff. I'm convinced, for one, educating Ricky, Rockbusters, and more, all coming up in this week's episode of the Carly Pilk Boys. If you'd like to support us financially, kick us a couple of bucks each month. Do so at patreon.com forward slash Carly Pilk Boys for just $2 a month. You can be an assistant producer. You get the show a week early, and you'll never encounter any ads. Also, if you'd like to not hear this message at the start of each episode, if you'd love it just to go straight to the goodness Um, there's no intro like this on the Patreon. It just gets straight into the episode um, because I don't need to tell the people on Patreon to please support us on Patreon. So please, if you'd like to, if you can spare two bucks a month to become an assistant producer or $3.50 a month to become a senior producer, um, we'd very much appreciate it. It keeps us going. Carly Pilk Boys on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Carly Pilk Boys. All right, on with the show. Welcome back to the Carly Pilk Boys pod. I'm David Ferrier. Stephen Merchant. We're two little radio fellas air checking the old Ricky Gervais XFM shows. I've listened heaps. This is Zach's first time through. We are up to series two, episode 16, which was broadcast December 7, 2002. Zach, what's your Heat Magazine style headline about this show? How to keep your data safe from spy crabs. <laughs> Ricky Gervais and Steve Merchant uncover all. Uh, big day for Carl on this episode. He's got his MTV audition live, and uh, he he really comes loaded with content. In a way, like the bag's full of content, but there's not much in there. There's a phrase like throwing shit at a wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. None of it sticks. <laughs> None of it sticks. And I actually feel like that they're going backwards a little bit. Yeah. I think there was a they they were super structured, and they would come very prepared. And now it's gone all the way the other way to where it's like Carl's taken everything. Remember how we used to compliment Steve's producing skills mm-hmm. and we'd be like, Steve's kind of running it a little bit. And then Ricky and Carla throwing stuff in and kind of fighting a bit and bantering. Now, you know, there was a sweet spot there, I reckon. And I think we've gone too far the other way. Because this is just like if, if Carl's stuff falls flat, which it kind of has, they had nowhere to go. Remember we used to hear stories about Ricky's week? Mm. <laughs> that's that's so long ago now. So the the bow has stretched all the way to the other end now where, where Carl is just controlling it and you're thinking and that it's, it's actually maybe gone too, too far. Uh, without being a content director. It's, Please, that's what the, we're here for. We're air checking these shows. There's not enough variety anymore. It's just yeah. it's just all these weird facts that aren't yeah. like if they don't stick, then it's kinda like, oh, okay. It feels like that you've just Googled a hundred weird facts about the world. Which can be great content, but you've got to dole it out in bit yeah, by bit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, and then a personal story. I've probably, you know what, I've actually probably, I'm probably now seeing what content directors have said over the years, where they're like variety, a personal story, a relationship story, a weird news story, you know, mix it up a little bit, because now when it's just like, this episode for me, and, you know, they acknowledge that it probably wasn't their best episode. It was just too much of one They've thing. fallen into doing the whole second half of the show, which is just getting through Rockbusters and educating Ricky, yep. which 
is sort of like, I don't know, becoming a bit repetitive. But let's just touch on the the stories that they tell Carl for the for the MTV. Well, audition. that was a great. Um, Doesn't it? it that was like, a great variation. But I feel like they fundamentally got wrong what Carl's appeal is. I was trying to think of like what were they hoping would happen, and I thought they were hoping that they would get another man moth moment. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. No. Uh, do you want to talk about it now or do you want to no, wait for let, the let's, air check? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it later. Something I do want to talk about first is uh, I've, I've realised I really should just each week Google Ricky, Steve and Carl just to see what's going on in their world. Sure. Uh, so this is from a couple of weeks ago. We're recording this on the 9th of May 2022. So a couple of weeks ago, the thief, his wife and the canoe viewers baffled after spotting Carl Pilkington. Okay. Viewers watching ITV's true crime drama, The Thief, His Wife and The Canoe, were surprised to see a familiar face appear on their TV screens. An Idiot Abroad star, Carl Pilkington, appeared as a detective questioning the fraudulent couple. Just an acting gig. Some viewers believed the detective was just a lookalike until the end credits confirmed it was, in fact, the 49-year-old comedian. Do you have a screenshot there at all? Uh, I've got more than a screenshot. The four-part drama, which star, started on ITV on Sunday, tells the story of John Darwin, Eddie Mars- Marson. So Eddie Marson, cracking actor, mm-hmm. really, really good. And his wife, uh, Monica Dolan, in the early 2000s, the pair orchestrated a pros- pro- preposterous plan to fake John's death so they could claim his life insurance money. Uh, someone has already, <laughs> a YouTube account called Carl Dilkington, mm-hmm. has very graciously cut together every scene that Carl is in. In the first episode. So this is like Carl is branching out now into just straight acting roles, not even his own series. And this is a drama. Well, he did a screen test for MTV in 2002. And just a short 20 years later, it's finally acting. Off. Here we go. Hang on. No, no. Who is it then, John? The banks, the lenders. No, no, Mike, this needs Hang to on, be I'll said. skip ahead to when Carl is speaking. He's just listening, listening here. It's great listening. It's yeah. great listening. It's active listening. Okay, so you're still sticking to the story that you have amnesia? I do. I did. I did. From when to when? From a holiday in June 2000 till about... Mid-2003. Okay, so just after all the money was paid out? Yes. Right. That's lucky. And, and, and I'd like to add that that money was claimed in good faith by Anne. They can't claim that back, I'm afraid. Those are their own rules. And so you, you don't remember anything about what happened on the day you went missing? Absolutely not. But you do remember that you definitely didn't plot to fake your own death for financial gain. He's pulling a party story. No comment. <laughs> Inspired I casting. Love it. I love it. He, 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 he's doing well there. And it's fascinating to see him because obviously, well, I haven't seen him since An Idiot Abroad, which is what, 10, 12 years ago? Mm. Maybe even more? And uh, so 2010, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, well, it was when it started. But. And so um, it is. it does uh, hint towards an experience I have listening to the radio show. So in this episode, we hear about how he's 
29, actually 30, but he lies about his age in front of the MTV people. And I constantly have to readjust because in my mind, I'm picturing the idiot abroad person. So when I listen to the radio shows, I have to scale it back 10 years and go, oh, no, actually, he's um, he's he's just turned 30 here. But now watching this, it's a surprise because I'm like, oh, obviously, he's aged in the last yeah, 10 I years. Know. He looks 10 years older. I read 49 abroad. and I went, no way. I thought it's an inspired piece of casting because the rest of this clip, it goes for about 11 minutes. I'll just play a little bit more where, where he's um, he's just picking apart this guy's story who, who has faked his own death. Yeah, the grasp of financial matters. Right. Just the one brain cell, you see. Your wife, 34 years. Tell me about it. Would you <laughs> like me to repeat? Um, it reminded me, I thought, this is inspired casting because it reminds me of this. To be a magnet. What's the bullshit? Yeah. And they... You're talking bullshit, and they'd go, oh, it's bullshit, man. And i go, well, yeah, I, it is bullshit, man. You're talking bullshit. And eventually, people would stop talking shit. That's funny, because instantly I thought when I saw the interrogation scene, I'm like, because they, they've got a kind of, it's framed over someone's shoulder. And I thought, what can we edit this with? Can he investigate himself? Has there been <laughs> has there been some type of thing from his younger years that we could cut it with? But unfortunately, that has music underneath, so it'd make it very difficult to cut it. Ooh. And also, it's in a train, which is like the setting is a bit weird. No, but if there's something else on camera where Carl is telling one of his ridiculous hypotheses uh, or something, and we then could you do have some him type being of like, interrogated by himself, it would be quite interesting too, because it would be too. It would be it would be obviously the same person, but legitimately aged. Mm. Whereas, like now, we see so many. Like you know, was it the Irishman that had the, the yeah the aging yeah the digital aging, and so um, you know, that's something that we could do. But also, interestingly, do you see what they've done there? Uh, in the interrogation, Carl is giving a great performance, but it also is quite easy. You know, like if you are there's stages of acting, isn't there? And sitting down at a table is level one because <laughs> like, you know, that's the easiest thing to do. And then also they've given him something to do with his hands, which yeah. he's, he's got a pad and paper in front of him and he can kind of like jot on that. That's the other tough thing to do. What do you do with your hands? That, you know, it becomes harder and harder as you have to, I have to walk over here and I have to put this down while I'm saying the lines, like the craft of it. Uh, you kind of don't realize how hard it is until you try to do a little bit yourself. So you're saying this level one acting, the West Wing with the walking down corridors oh, yeah. and the walk and talk and turning corners. And you're getting a paper on your yeah, left that's and you have level. to shift it out to your right. And, and deliver that very dense Aaron And there's Sorkin no cuts too. Dialogue. It's all one take. Yeah. You know, they just got this two shot down the hallway. Yeah. The highest level, the movie 1917, one take, the whole movie. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, 69 minutes in, someone's like, <laughs> oh, line. Oh, shit. Ah, <laughs> oh, start again. <laughs> Hopefully a sign of more to come from Carl I would love in the that. world of drama. I would love that. And I love the idea even now that he's just um, tinkering with a few things. I didn't like the idea that he that he wasn't working in uh, entertainment. I don't know what he was doing, but I like... But you know, you know he did two series, his own show called Sick right. of It. He did, he did. When was that? That was uh, only in the last couple of years. Yeah, so maybe he's um, really getting into acting now. Yeah. I reckon he's got enough. I don't think he's the type who would be driving around in a Lamborghini and living in a giant house with a mortgage. I reckon he's made enough money yeah. that he can take his time and, and do his would be DIY. Wouldn't be the, the best? I think that would be such a fun career to It'd have. Be great. Just taking bit roles here and yeah. there. Like there's no investment. You don't have to have the pressure of the project. Well, it's not even – It's. it would be great to be able to do what you want. 
And if you are in this business and presumably you meet a lot of people and a lot of friends make stuff and then the idea that you can just like pop up in stuff that your friends are making that you want to. I've always thought it was so cool in the music video for Tenacious D uh, tribute. Mm. Ben Stiller Stiller walks past. Yeah, I saw that He's an extra. Yeah, and why? Who does he know that? But exactly, like I would love to. How cool would it be to be like, yeah, no, I'll just, I'll show up, I'll hang out with you guys while you're doing this, and I'll what pop year up was in the that? background in Ben Stiller's career. So 2001. It was Zoolander time. Oh, okay. So you reckon yeah. he had hit big with some movies? Probably. He might have even well, directed that music video. Actually, um, now that I think about it, there's something about Mary was like late 90s, wasn't it? 98. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess he was pretty well known. Um. It's a, it's a luxury, and I hope we see more of Carl in drama series. Uh, maybe a slightly higher difficult. Maybe next time he can stand up <laughs> for a bit and then sit back down. Well, if he did his own show, I imagine the whole show isn't him That's sitting true. down. But he, if he, he probably has had a bit more experience. But you know what? I think it's probably equal level. At least here he is not playing himself. True. So he just had to memorize the lines because he was playing a, ver- a version of himself in sick of it. Uh, I will just point out Olivia Coleman. Started out in comedies. She was in The Office. Yep. We did on Brady Brett Boys. Check it out. Uh, she was in Peep Show. And now she is an Academy Award winner, multi-time nominee. Well, she's done a lot of period films. So yeah. could you see Carl doing that? Absolutely. In, in, As like a peasant. I, I no, I was thinking in like a big Napoleon era hat. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, Napoleon? <laughs> Stop trying to invade everyone. <laughs> Ridley Scott's making the Napoleon movie right now. There we go. Uh, he's having a laugh. Uh, so, <laughs> if we see uh, Carl winning a BAFTA for acting, that'll be my life will be, be complete. To be fair to Carl Wright, what a career he's carved. In this episode, we hear about, um, I think it's in this episode, Carl kind of, uh, Ricky kind of goes, You were just cutting cutting together the jingles before we found you. Mm, that was last week. And that's what he was doing. Yeah. And he would have thought, because we've been in these jobs, you sit in this job and you might be happy doing it. I'm not saying that it's a, but you think, what's my career progression? I'll probably be doing something like this for the next 20 years. I'm a, I'm a production guy. Mm. I don't think he'd think, oh, when I'm 50, I'll be doing bit roles in, in dramas. Mm. And he has Ricky and Steve to thank from that. But, because- whoa. Coming full circle here, what does he say in the MTV interview in this? He says he's never planned anything out. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. He's and, just gone with the flow. It's quite a zen approach. Flow. Yeah. And it's led to, look where it's led to. But it requires. We could cut that over the top of this as an inspirational piece. Him talking about doing the drum solo in the musical and just going with his instincts has led him to quite an interesting career. Absolutely. But it requires people like Ricky and Steve to. Um, lift lift him up because you say like, oh, you know, we know people, you do these jobs. But in my experience, almost 100% of the time, people keep you at arm's length. It's like, well, if you're a production guy, you're a production mm. guy. We're not going, like, we can't, no, we couldn't possibly because people need to categorize. So, um, so I feel like Carl is just such a special exception Part to do with his talent and his uniqueness, but also because he met Ricky, he yeah. met the right person. In a way, you go like, like Ricky. I know that you know a lot of it was Ricky making fun of Carl, and I hope that you know they all feel good about that. <laughs> but the in a in a uh, in a way, 
Ricky, it takes someone who's quite generous in their performance mm. to bring someone in. And is not insecure that you'll step on because their the light. fact that he's given so much of the reins to Carl on this show now indicates some level of trust. And, you know, I did comment that I think that that has made it go downhill. But, <laughs> you know, a lot you of people would go, a lot of comedians in particular would go, no, mm. I do the jokes. Yeah. I'm the one who says the funny thing and everyone laughs. Yeah. Whereas Ricky seems happy to be like, no, this is this is the two hours where I'm entertained. <laughs> like I bring you yeah. in and you entertain me. What have you got, Carl? Yeah. What have you found this week? Entertain me. Yeah, it's a unique setup. Let's get into the air check. Break one. It's a big first break because uh, Carl is stressed about the audition. They talk about Jeremy Spake who um, – off the off Wikipedia. In 1996, Spank featured in the BBC documentary series Airport, where he worked as the ground services manager for Russian airline Aeroflot. He's, uh, his appearance in the program brought him to wider public notice and celebrity. He speaks fluent Russian. Uh, how's this? Jump 20 years later. In February 2022, the BBC announced that Spake would return to Heathrow Airport to present a new six-part documentary series, Inside the airport, the return of Jeremy Spake for broadcast on BBC One later this year. So I know that that guy and that show was a big inspiration for The Office. It was this oh. is Spinal Tap, the uh, kind of the first mockumentary, and then this idea that documentaries were being made about ordinary people was a, a motivator for them but, doing The Office. But airport isn't. A mockumentary, it's a documentary, so it's real. Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, so they were... they were, And they saw that and they said, what happens if we put a comedy character great in Great fertile character. Because that's what like people would be funny and not know it in those documentary yeah, series true. and they would get a bit of fame and then... So it all so plays in perfectly to, for someone like David Brent who wants that fame, so he'll play it up to the camera. Um, Jeremy Spake, by the way, has written two books. There you go. He's, <laughs> he's been given lemonade. He's made lemons. Wait. Other way around. <laughs> That's a good saying, though. <laughs> when life well, gives you lemonade, make lemons. Uh, Carl's attitude at, uh, is uh, is that it could all go wrong, which I think is just an interesting to hear how, like, he's focusing purely on the negatives of of the opportunity. He's really worried about it instead of being excited about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's just an interesting mindset and and and. It's a very anxious mindset. He's been successful in spite of that. True. Yeah. Uh, he also talks about the day that there was no news, and I looked this up. It actually happened. 18th of April, 1930, the BBC's news announcer had nothing to communicate. Quote, there is no news, was the script of the uh, 8.45 news bulletin before piano music was played for the rest of the 15-minute segment. <laughs> the wireless th- service. Here's some piano. <laughs> then returned to broadcasting from the Queen's Hall in Langham, uh, place London where the Wagner operator something something was being opera was being performed. Imagine that. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld has a joke about that. Something about the idea. What does he say? He's always amazed that they um, fit the news into the newspaper every day. Yeah, he goes. It always fits exactly in the newspaper. <laughs> like there's never an article left over, or or they never come up short. Yeah, but that's where it'd be. Because you'd be like, well, yeah, there is. There's stuff that doesn't make the cut, Jerry. Uh, Comedy yeah. fact checker. <laughs> I think he knows that. <laughs> uh, I saw I saw a comedian last night because yeah. the comedy festival's yeah. on. And I think I'm becoming a bad comedy 
audience member because in my mind a lot of the things there were times where we were saying like and then the person came in and said this and in my mind I was like no they didn't yeah you're making that up for comic effect I don't like that either <laughs> um, was it an effective comic effect uh well I, not for me no. I don't know like there were ripples of laughter you it were was- you were doing the um Pilkington bullshit. bullshit. Uh, so coming out of break two, they played Debaser by Pixies twice in the last hour, and it, it's Carl's, Carl's fault, apparently. Really winding Carl up early. That's something I'm glad has gone away from radio. There's no anxiety about the same song playing too frequently because we have nothing to do with it. That's true. And if not, it's almost the opposite problem. It's like, why have you only paid Ed Sheeran three times today? <laughs> Six times minimum. Once every 90 minutes, please. Um, and then Carl gets in trouble because he was uh, on Zoe Ball's show throughout the week and he was doing all the jellyfish stuff. <laughs> so another little sign that his star is starting to rise. In break three, we get the Rockbusters prizes. I think Wild Weather is probably the funniest thing that's ever been put on DVD. Oh, man, wasn't there a sweet spot in media? It was, you know, just when we had a boom of DVDs and things like that. So there was a lot of them, but we still had like... um these niche shows, mm. whereas now there'd never be a program like that made. No, it'd be a YouTuber. It'd be yeah. like a storm-chasing YouTuber who would make something just as good. No, it wouldn't be because the reason why this is good is because they went to a lot of money and effort to put yeah. it on a VHS. On well, a YouTube video, you're like, no, I can understand that someone in their room would do that. <laughs> like the difference between the effort of production in the product is what makes yeah. storm the wild weather the we're counting down 100 storms uh, i'm pretty sure there are still those ads that say like get uh, dvds of mother and son for just 20 call up now <laughs> i'm sure i've still seen it but it uh, it's it stuck in my mind cuz it's like in 2022 they're still flogging those the guy who wrote that was my um Uni lecturer. Mother and Son is a one of the few Australian three-camera studio sitcoms that's ever existed. Mm. Another one was Hey Dad, which we don't talk about anymore. Um, but, yeah, Mother and Son. And I remember it being quite good. But Yeah. I mean, there's a lot left over from the whole basis is that the mum's cognitive abilities are deteriorating. Uh, and um, that's where a lot of the humour comes from, the fact right. that she can't remember things. And I don't know how that would play these days. Mm. So, you know, there's there's a bit of the times, but it's a, it's, um, his character was, who's the main dude? Isn't that Norm Gunston? Yes. Yeah. yeah. The main actor had another character called Norm Gunston, right? Yeah. And he was like a reporter who would go to press Very conferences. Very nervous and sweaty and awkward. And and it was kind of like a Borat thing. Yes, it was. Actually. He would yeah, go and interview famous celebrities who would come to Australia and they would have no idea who he was, obviously. There's a famous one, him talking to the Guns N' Roses. Um, I think it was Guns N' Roses. And they kind of just think that he's this normal reporter and he's you know, asking funny questions and he's in character. And back in a time, too, where the whole all the journalists are laughing. Like, there's no... Like, even Guns N' Roses, they're, like, laughing along as well. There's no, like, combative nature to it. Like, everyone's uh-huh. like, oh, yeah, this guy's doing a joke. Yeah, yeah we'll go along fun. with it for a while. Yeah, he's got a he's got an infamous clip with uh, Muhammad Ali as well. Um, but you say how it was uh, a precursor for Borat. There's another one. Like, have you ever watched Frontline? 
Uh, yeah, bits and pieces. Frontline, I, I was watching it going like, this is this has echoes of The Office before The Office. Oh, it's 94 no, I haven't 97. seen Frontline. I haven't seen Frontline. It's a mockumentary about of, um, about um, a magazine news show, like a current affair. Yes. yes. And um, it's a, a comedy group. The, 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 guys, the guys and girls that made The Castle made this sitcom. They did three season called, seasons called Frontline. Recommend it. Highly recommend it. Still funny to this day. Very night, very of its time in terms of all the um, technology and stuff. But yeah, um, a, a lot of the same characteristics, including the lead character who is just totally unaware of how he's perceived and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway. That would have been tangent. around the same time as um, the Gary Shandling show as well. Gary Shandling, great show. But was that, I wonder if they kind of, if that was just like of the zeitgeist that they both kind of came up with it or or do they feel well, like Well, the Gary, that, oh, hang on, you mean Larry Sanders. Larry Sanders. It's Gary Shandling show was his sitcom before, but it was very meta and it was very, he would break the fourth wall and he would get in a little cart and drive between sets on the studio. <laughs> it's uh, it's a good show, but it's, it is like very high concept. But um, Larry Sanders, yes. Yeah. That's, that's actually probably it. what Frontline were ripping off or something like that, but- Another great show, Larry Sanders. Uh, so we get the Rockbusters for this week, which uh, whatever. Did you get the first one? The first one was very gettable. Led Zeppelin, yeah, yeah easily. Okay. Um, in break four, we get more uh, more of Carl's mum's Rockbusters. This group thinks of lots of things. Imagination. See, because now, as you mentioned earlier, not only are we doing Carl's two big segments, but we're also doing the offcuts of Carl's <laughs> two big segments because we're getting his mum's Rockbusters and then also other stuff he's found on the internet. Yeah. And then we get an idea, Carl's first pitch for what he could do on MTV. If there's one reason why I'd like to do it, yeah. is I was watching Attenborough, the, the Mammals program. I reckon I could do something like that. Right, right. And just have, have like me, instead of Attenborough, like a, you know, a young sort of fresh person. Yeah. Uh, watching like, um, certain animals and saying, do we need these? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Not a bad way to incorporate some education into your music television watching. Not only do I love it, but it's also we've spoken about how they predicted live streams and they predicted, was it YouTube? Whatever. This is kind of like the React videos mm. that you see on YouTube or even TikTok. Or even sort of what we're doing right now. Yeah, where he plays a piece of content. They cut to Carl, looks <laughs> to camera. Do we need him? Do we need- <laughs> Just watching a jellyfish swim. <laughs> He breaks down what, what makes jellyfish so useless, and I, I tend to agree with Carl. I think it's one of his better theories. Jellyfish. I mean, we, I, we've said it here, the ones in Australia will kill you. I feel like Ricky would say the fact that they're around mean that they're Means important. That, yes, of course. And then uh, in the same break, Steve almost pitches an idiot abroad. So, so MTV flies you around the world. And so he, the most incredible exotic locations. You sort of climb up a tree or whatever next to, I don't know what lives up a tree, some kind of rare parrot. You say, sloth. look at that, it's colourful, sloth. it's interesting. Oh, you like sloths, don't you? No, they just live up trees, but I'd say, do we need them? A broadcaster sending him around the world to exotic locations. For Carl. I'm pretty sure I've seen Carl climbing up a tree in one of the episodes. Do you think that would have been a better follow-up to life's, uh, the bucket list one? What was the bucket list one? Um, the one he did after an idiot abroad. Well, he did moaning of life after moaning idiot of life. abroad, but he but that did was like a that was he was ticking off a bucket list, wasn't he? Uh, no, I think that was that one was more was finding out what the meaning of life is. Oh, to right. Well, see, yeah. I felt like that was an idiot abroad light. 
Yeah. They didn't change it enough. Could would this have been a better sequel? Him doing Carl doing animals. a nature program, yeah, yeah like going going to, around the world to meet exotic animals yeah. and and in decide the if they get to live or die. But imagine if he was camping in the <laughs> Amazon or something like that. Yeah, can you imagine how he would react to that? Yeah, I went camping with my girlfriend last week, and we had a possum on top of the tent. What? We freaked out. <laughs> how did how did it support it? It was a it was a glamping tent, so it was quite big and. Had a proper structure. And um, what happened? So it was Did crawling it just jump off? It jumped off and I was like, it's got to be a possum. We don't have bears here. You know, like what other nocturnal animals are there? And then I sort of moved and the possum uh, did it that weird kind of growling hiss that it does, yep. which is very distinct to possums. So I'm like, oh, it's a possum. Went back to sleep. Are they fighting or having sex? That's always the question. That's, well, I don't know. I don't know. I've heard a, I've heard a, here's a little insight into uh, Australian mammals. I didn't realise that in the middle of the night, if you are around where koalas are, if you're camping, male koalas will climb down their trees to the ground and, much like male lions, will just let everyone know that it's their territory. Really? And they do that with this very loud, grunting, like, raw thing. So, I was asleep, woken up by that sound thinking that, like, there's a, a wild pig or something that's about to run through my tent. But, no, I learned the next day that it was uh, Mal Koala, Koalas. Just letting you know, stay away from the fish. Yeah, but isn't it interesting? They only did it at nighttime when no one could see. They're Wait. acting all tough when the, yeah, <laughs> when come, everyone's asleep. Come back down in the Come day. at me. I'm a koala. I've got two thumbs. Fight me on even ground. Yeah. Not with this night vision stuff that you have. <laughs> So, yeah, it'd be great to see. I, I think it's a big miss that Carl hasn't done a, some sort of nature documentary yet. He could come to Australia. I think he would have a lot of opinions on marsupials. He, I was so excited when he did come to Australia for Idiot Abroad. But they, they sent him out to do the, um, in South Australia, to go in the cage with the Great Whites. I don't remember and he, that. Uh, yeah, he didn't have a good time. He spent. He was overnight on this boat and got very unwell and stuff. So I would see, even just a kangaroo, I'd love to see yeah. him dissect what they're about. Yeah, It'd be, I'd love. Carl that. reacts to a kangaroo. Uh, in break five, they come out of a song by the Streets. Just shout out to the Streets. Absolutely loved them back around these these times. One of those acts that I think about every now and then. Go like, why didn't they become huge anyway? Um, and then we get the first story for the MTV audition, the one about crabs. Were you, this is the first time you've heard it, Zach, were you convinced? Yeah. Uh, don't know. I'll take you through my thought process. First thought, good idea, guys. So they say, you're always complaining that you can't find stuff. Steve and I, you know, a bit of a reveal. We're pranking you a bit here, but we're going to pull the rug out from you. We've had a look. This is what we found. I thought, good idea. Twist it. Change it up. Then they started talking about it. For about a second, I believed it. Or no, I believe that they had misunderstood it. I was like, no, guys, like, I thought that it was possible that if you had eaten, like, a microchip that they could recover the microchip mm. and it still had. That's where I thought they were going. But then they go, they found them in formation. I thought, no, they didn't. <laughs> and so, but my first instinct wasn't that they were lying. It was that they had been tricked. And mm. I was like, you're doing the same thing Carl does. You've believed something. And then as it went on, I thought, oh, okay, no. They know that this is fake. They're winding him up. I thought it was a great idea. I liked where they were going with it. I just thought if – I think you might have the same opinion. There wasn't enough opportunity for Carl to 
really be led down the garden path. All it was, they just went on. It was too deep, too detailed. And um, they didn't let Carl add anything to it or ask any questions. So it was, it was like, do you believe it? Mm. And he's like, yeah, all right. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. But he doesn't have much investment in it. If they had kind of got him to question more and like, what does that make you think of and, and stuff like that, maybe there'd be a bit more back and forth. For a Carl screen test, it should have been Carl leading the story. Mm. It would have made more sense even if it was, tell us the story about the horse in the house again. Mm. But they, for that audition, they got Carl just sitting there listening for most of it. And as you said, at the end, he was like, okay, cool. All right, wow. It reminded me that in you have to be, actually, that's what you're saying. You have to, when you're pranking someone, I think you have to know something about them, how they're going to react and play to that. And so you can tell in the second one about the uh, bodybuilding baby who came out early, bought yeah. its way out, <laughs> they, they say to each other, I knew that he would find the first one more interesting. And that's the type of way that you have to think. You have to think about your co-host. It's like, what would they be more interested in and kind of navigate it towards that? We did this prank once on my co-host where I was going to get someone from the radio station to call him to accost him about, I forget exactly what it was. He had left something out and we were always getting in trouble for leaving things out. And I forget exactly what it was about, but I wanted them to tell him a story about how it fallen over on a piece of equipment and everyone was really upset at him and everyone was really disappointed and he would have to come in and do a thing. And then I went out for breakfast with him so that I could be there when he received the call and I was going to kind of film it. And I thought also if I'm with, with him at the time, he won't think it's a prank because he'll be like, oh, why? Zach's here. It can't be him. The person, you know, they're not a performer, obviously. So <laughs> it's it's understandable. But I was like quite specific about what I wanted the punishment to be for that reason. And they under in the moment just said like, you owe us a thousand dollars. And Dom just said like, yeah, that's fine. I'll pay that. That's I'm so sorry. And I specifically <laughs> didn't want it to be money because I knew that money wouldn't be an incentive for him. That wouldn't be something that he'd be upset about because it's not that he's a high roller. It's just that's not something he'll just go, whatever it is, I'll pay it. Yeah. The thing that would get a reaction is if he said that he had to come in and face a panel or something like that, like something that would be like, oh, no, they're angry at me. And so anyway, the, we didn't get a reaction. He just goes, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'll pay that. Of course. Of course we have. He actually said the company, our company will pay for it. And I thought, no, we won't. What are you talking about? <laughs> but he's like, we'll cover that. We'll cover that. Um, and so it didn't work. But it was because I knew, I knew that he wouldn't react to a monetary punishment. And so you kind of got to know how your person will uh, react. Yeah, and... It feels like there was just a slight miscalculation here. I really think they were looking for a man a man moth moment, but they just didn't get it. They just got, you know, a reaction to a slightly weird story and then a second story which was just so bonkers that even he could see through it. I did enjoy it though and I thought it was a good idea. It was just the execution was the a little The stories off. were creative as yeah, well. Very creative. I thought they, they were just close enough because Ricky's the first told, one was. Yeah, Ricky's told the story about like how, and it's a true thing that like if you... Um, that, that, like, if you put a sponge in a blender <laughs> or something, it'll reform. Or, or rather, if you, um, uh, like, if a leech eats some blood and then you put it at the end of a maze, it'll find its way anyway. Well, that's what a good kind of uh, 
lie, I guess. Yeah. Or a good story is. It has an element of like it's a twisting something believable. That's what I hate when um people kind of say they gotcha and what they do is they just change they go like how many um elephants are killed each year? Yeah. It, it, no, they go fifty elephants are killed each year. And you go, Oh wow. <laughs> it's actually fifty two. <laughs> like, well that's within prank. The, that's within the realms of <laughs> possibility that's not a prank i just believed you about a detail <laughs> but this is good because he kind of takes something that's like the crab one in particular is like in the zeitgeist yeah it's like kind of you're like oh yeah that's yeah it sounds believable. like it could be plausible but yeah. then when they start going about spy crabs i'm like yeah. <laughs> taking okay. photos uh in break seven uh carl's proper screen test happened during the song and he was sort of stressed out about that and he asks i love that carl just flat out asks this how much will he get paid <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite thing of the whole screen. Well, he's test. so practical too, where he talks about he just he just bought a house. Yeah, and if he had known he was going to be working at MTV, he would have. Yeah, exactly. That that's a bit later. Also, by the way, buying a flat at twenty nine on a radio producer's wage. Yeah, I mean, different on a times. high street in London, far out. Um, and then Carl <laughs> tells the story, I think it's for the first time, of how his good nails got him a sweet gig when he was a kid. So he offered the kids at the school, uh, he said, right, all, all sit at your desk and put your hands on the table. And everyone did. And he walked past me and he said, not bad, not bad. Yeah. And he said, uh, you've got the afternoon off, you can uh, go and serve biscuits and tea to the old, old people. What did you say? I said, all right then. <coughs> was that? Yeah. yeah. Good afternoon. <laughs> Have your nails ever got you any gigs? My, my nails have never helped me at all. Have yours? No, never been commented on. Do you think, what, how, what do you think of them? Are they fine? They're pretty good, yeah. They're nice. They're trimmed, I like to keep trimmed them back. short. You, you clearly don't uh, bite your nails either. Uh, not obsessively, no. Oh, you do bite your Occasionally. nails. Occasionally. But you know, there's the people who do, people who do bite their nails, they like the pad at the end, it almost looks like it's, grown because the the nails really? end so yeah ah. yeah um but no i get what's comments your, what's your technique for cutting weeds. your nails um i go clip 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 same yeah the three clip. pretty good yeah i usually Is that what go you're meant to do left right center yeah, and then yeah. if it's there's a little, a little bit too much of an angle i'll go back in for some cleanup yeah, for the finer you details take the edges off. yeah but I won't. I won't get the buffer out if that's what you mean. Uh yeah. The, well, that's what I didn't know what we were meant to be doing. Yeah, I've, it's never been explained to me. No. Yeah. Hang on. We were never taught how to cut our nails, but somehow we worked it out. We figured it out. Not all these kids these days with their manicures. And have you ever had a pedicure? Uh a pedicure like the foot one. Yeah. Uh neither pedicure or manicure. I highly recommend. Which one? Pedicure. Okay. And w- why? Because men have feet too. Yeah, that's true. And they get dirty and crusty. This is a true observation. It is like a car wash for your feet. It is particularly if you, I'm so, I like massages and stuff, right? Mm. So if you're one of those people that, ooh, don't touch me, maybe not for you. But they put your feet in a little foot spa in warm water. So you get a little foot spa thing. Does it feel awkward? No. No. Well, it does if you, if you choose it to be awkward. Um, but you're paying, like, it's a service that you're paying for. And they come in, they use this, like, uh, exfoliating cream and rub it up your shins and on your feet and stuff. It's really nice. They scrape away the dead skin. They trim your nails. They'll paint them a color if you're asked to. I haven't asked for that yet. Um, but it's a it, it, it's a really good maintenance thing for your feet, I think, and they, and they feel very silky smooth at the end. Yeah, I might take you up on that. I feel the closest I can Good come- thing to do with your wife. 
the closest I've uh, come to that is like sometimes when the barber's giving me a haircut, actually all the time, it's a part of their process. They put a hot towel over your head and start giving you a little massage. A massage and I've absolutely I the best. Really? I feel quite uncomfortable. Okay. Because you've, you've just had a 20 minute conversation with them. And then all of a sudden <laughs> it's like, it feels like your peers. And then all of a sudden <laughs> so it's is. just like a clear, <laughs> it's like, I pay you money. You give me massage. So wait, so giving a haircut could be something a friend does yeah, for you, we're just mates. but actually just using their hands to create a, a form of pleasure, a non-sexual form of pleasure is crossing, crossing a line. Um, it's not crossing a line. I'm just like, it, uh, it's I'm a just, different just, dynamic. Cause the conversation always stops. Yeah. Like it doesn't continue. <laughs> so like, how do you think the Broncos have got this weekend? That's <laughs> oh, really nice. <laughs> like it's always like, it's a good conversation stops for a couple of minutes while the head massage is on. <laughs> and then, and then we continue the conversation. After. I, I have no problem with any of it. I don't care who it is. If they've got strong hands, go for it. Yeah. No, that's, that is, it's, I'm not saying, I'm just saying that there's always like, <laughs> it just becomes unclear what the dynamic is in that moment. Well, you, you're exchanging money at the end. It's, it's pretty clear to me. Okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll give you a head mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, Carl, Carl's good nails, got him the job at the uh, old folks home handing out biscuits. And then they get onto the ancient art of arse reading instead of palm reading. I looked it up. There's a thing called rumpology or bottom reading is a pseudoscience akin to physiognomy uh, performed by examining crevices, dimples, warts, moles, and folds of a person's ass in much the same way that a uh, whatever will read your palm. The late American astrologer Jackie Stallone Mother of Sylvester Stallone, by the really? way, claimed that rumpology is known to have been practiced in ancient times by the Babylonians, the Indians, ancient Greeks, and Romans. I would like to see her sources on that. Mm. That seems like one of the things that you can just throw out here. It's like, let me look at your ass. Don't worry. The ancient Greeks used to do it. Well, a couple of things. Firstly, with his logic, why, if someone's uncomfortable with you looking at their palm, would you be comfortable <laughs> with your ass? Absolutely. That seems like that. that's going the opposite way. Yes. But then when you think about things historically, I'm like, well, maybe you could tell a lot from the ass when you didn't have ass ointments. Like, it's probably like, yeah, you've got an ass full of boils. <laughs> like, do you know what? what I mean? Like, you're unwell. Like, <laughs> and I can predict that in the future, you're going to experience some pain. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I don't know if like, and when they go, well, they're investigating warts. Well, if you've got well, warts, yeah. you You've probably been touching, like, you know. See, a doctor, can, not a rumpologist. I can draw some conclusions from that that I don't think is coming from the universe. It's just coming from logic. But from the uh, from a little glance at the uh, at the Wikipedia page of rumpology, it has to do with the shape of the arse. Oh, okay. Um, I, I wonder. I maybe should have see, – see what I mean? Different shapes of buttocks to which rumpology can attribute different properties from left to right. But these are all these are also these are all ladies' bums. Do you think there's think been much work in the a men's ass in the uh, rumpology world? There's a there's diagram on uh, there's Wikipedia. Circle. There's sort of a pentagon. Oh, are you saying that they're ladies because uh, it looks like that it's like hips? Well, yeah, ladies, ladies, la- la- ladies, ladies. <laughs> but why are you saying they're ladies? You can't tell they're ladies. Cause, yeah, because they're big. Because of the hips. hips. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I reckon top left could be top. The top row. These could two be, could be. Yeah, they're not necessarily ladies. All right, I'll concede that. You know your asses <laughs> is what I'm learning. 
You can pick an ass from behind. <laughs> I can. That's one of my many skills. It's right at the top of my LinkedIn. Radio and podcast host can pick an ass from behind. Um, I'm just I'm just going to try. So I'm going I'm going rogue here. Rumpology reading on. <laughs> if you go to YouTube and type in rumpology reading, the first one is a video from ten years ago. Buttock reader. There is a man that looks like a hobbit staring at someone's ass. He's sitting down. And he's he's getting in the business there. Yeah, this is only two minutes, so so just bear with us. He's not looking at a distance. Come on, long intro. Palm <laughs> reading. A blind German psychic has claimed he can read people's futures by feeling their naked buttocks. <laughs> wow. Clairvoyant Alf Buck 39 claims that a person's buttocks display lines like those on the palm of a hand which can be read to reveal much about their character and destiny. He's putting on a red robe like he's Harry Potter. people's backsides are very fine and not as easy to see oh. as the lines on hands. A pentagram. They are just mm. as intensive and are very sensitive the way they react to a finger. So he has to get into the costume before he does the reading. Well, he looks like a Satanist. It's It's... Yeah, he looks like it's that a he big could be, red hooded robe, he, and he's just put a pentagram belt on. He could be in the Simpsons where they're singing, yeah, in the stone cutters. The stone cutters. <laughs> it looks like that type of robe. But it's interesting that they go. The logic follows. It's like, well, the the bum has similar lines to the palm, but that's means that you believe in the palm reading. Yes, it's, that's an assumption they're making. It's like, hey, you know how you can read palms? If you say no to that, they go, well, then maybe bum yeah. reading's not for it, you. It makes no less sense than reading yeah, the palm. Yeah, that's true. Why, what part of the body, what lines are okay and what lines aren't okay it, to read? It's just funny that it's an ass. That's it. Let, let's, let's keep going. We're about halfway through. By running his fingers along a number of lines on the surface of a client's posterior. It, first of all, isn't it weird? Is this guy Australian? Or he does sound Australian. Kiwi? I kind of feel like I can almost pick the voice. He says he can predict their future, monetary success, family life, health, and happiness. That's pretty good. I think he's good. Kiwi. I think he's Kiwi. Clairvoyant Buck says lines representing success, career, and artistic ability extend inwards from the outer shape of the buttocks, while a further five lines <laughs> radiate outwards. Is this bloke for sure? That's the voice of the guy. <laughs> the guy. The guy getting the reading looks like he's a reject from an 80s hair metal band. Well, this is probably from an era where um, Louis Thoreau was doing his weird weekends. Yeah. And I wonder if this was someone who was you know, inspired by that. It's like, I'm going to go, you know, the journalist who goes and tries yeah. some type of fringe. Yeah, puts himself into the difficult, uncomfortable yeah. positions. Yeah. Although he admits that it will probably take society a long time to take it seriously, his oh, why would you think that? clients feel that it works for them. Buck, who lives in the northern German village of Meldor, says all types of people come to him to have their bottoms red. <laughs> Bottom. He sees his blindness as a great asset. Not oh, he's come prepared. The uh, the client has come prepared. He's wearing a G string. Well, is he, or is he just giving himself a wet <laughs> because it means customers I think it's do not risk having their identities revealed. Buck has been blind since the age of three. He's blind as well, which adds. Well, isn't that a bit of a trope? Yeah, it's an approachable level of mysticism of like, oh, he can't see with his eyes, so he must be able to see more. All the. Uh, the other senses become stronger, don't they? But I don't know. Well, that's what Carl, Carl believes that. 
No, but other that is a fact that other senses do become stronger. Do they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can hear better. Certainly. I don't know about that. I think that's a fact. Really? I think it's a fact that if you lose your sight, that your other senses do get stronger. But I don't well, like think the, that the, it's... The space in your mind that it is taken up by processing... Isn't that visual- neural plasticity? Okay, let's do some research and come back to that. Um, we're currently watching a man in a robe touch uh, another man's bum. Although he claims to have spent many years training his fingers, his index and middle fingers being the most sensitive, Buck says even... Well, I mean, his tongue's more sensitive. Maybe he should be ex- exploring this man's bum with his tongue. You can make a broad brush assessment of people's personalities. See, he is literally, like you said, he is literally just touching... He's been touching little butt pimples. Yeah. I'd want to wash your hands afterwards. Who's <laughs> married is quick to shoot down any suggestion that his buttock feeling might be motivated by anything other than a genuine desire to tell people's futures. Let's have a quick... So there's, there's about 17 seconds left. Yes or no, will it end with a pun? About bums? Yeah. Uh, in what We're going to get to the bottom of the problem or... Yeah, yeah. Um, he's the butt of all jokes, something yeah. like that. Um, yeah, I reckon pretty strong. I'm going to say n- I don't think so, just based on the music and how sincere this whole thing I is. I think they could go for a kind of a half-sincere pun. Like, it's not going for a big laugh, but it's a little bit clever. Okay, let's find out. He says that it works and that there is no need for him to grope. Well, <laughs> I mean, almost. <laughs> Is that, that is that a just, pun? And also, he's not a deviant. Is that a pun? Is could is grope used in another context? No, I like think it's it not was, a describe. It's not a description of mood. It was just they ended that piece by saying, that was "Very strange." He's not a pervert. Okay, I know what you're all thinking. Yeah, that was it. back to the jingle. Ah, oh, well, no pun. Um, Bumology. Will you be signing up? I did hear on the radio recently, for the first time as an adult, I haven't heard this for a long time, like a um, uh, medium or like someone who says that they can... On the, doing a, with a caller over the radio? Yeah, and um, I hadn't heard that, you know, in, in many years. And it's incredible how broad where accepting this is. He's like, I, there was, um, I'm seeing some type of colour. It's a... Was it blue? No, my mum hated blue. Yes, yes, it was negative. It was negative. Like there's some type of there's there's some type of vehicle in the back of the house. No, no, we always had a clear a clear back. Mm. Okay, well then it wasn't a vehicle. It might have been some type of big big feature. No, no, there was just that just a brick wall, and it's the brick wall. That's mm. what I'm seeing. The brick wall. I'm like, I are we? What? They should freshen what? it up with uh, with a bumologist, particularly now that everything's video. Mm. I can think of certain breakfast radio shows that might jump at the opportunity to have a bumologist come in Get and bring in red. a girl with a great butt or a very fit dude with a great butt, and then they get to film it and put it on the internet. Mm. And Check it's back in with content. Them. See how yeah. accurate they were. Yeah. How accurate was your bum? Uh, so then in break eight, Carl belts through some, uh, some stories here, the one about gay rams and a pretty remarkable story about a proposal. He was like, we'll do it in time and time and all that. Anyway, he comes on from work one day. 
She says, oh, go on then, we'll get married. She was so shocked, her hair fell out. <laughs> <laughs> You're a married man, Zach. Um, anything ha- like that happen when you proposed? When no. the proposal happened? No. Did you lose your hair? Not yet. No. Um, yeah. Uh, Ricky was quite tickled by this, and I think uh, it's turns, the best punchline of he, the episode. I he think. turns to the camera and he says, "Did you get that? Yeah, yeah. You guys That's were nice. filming, right? That's nice. Yeah, and I agree with him because did, they didn't really get anything from the any like Carl funniness, and that's like a great Carl delivery. I thought it was so interesting that the difference in the lines: their hair fell out, or they started losing their hair. Don't you think those are two very different statements? Because if you say stress. So you, you had something in your life, you have something at work that caused you stress and your hair started to fall out. That's very mm. believable. Mm. But if you say, because it, it indicates a time period, mm. but if you say this one thing happened and their hair fell out, in you know, that's still technically a way of describing it in a somewhat accurate way, but that sounds very unbelievable. Well, in my mind it is like, will you marry me? Ooh! And it all just jumps out of her hair. In The Simpsons where uh, Homer, yeah. his last three hairs <laughs> yeah. just like pop out. Yeah. Um, we also get the lizard hat story, which is true, from 17 July 2002. A rare chameleon was seized by customs officers after it was spotted perched on the head of its 17-year-old owner in an airport arrivals hall. Fellow travellers noticed the reptile being worn on the girl's headscarf as she waited to collect luggage at Manchester Airport. The teenager had bought the lizard as a pet from a market stall in Saudi Arabia. She had taken it uh, on a flight from Dubai to visit British relatives without realising she needed an import and, uh, export and import papers. So, so she wasn't trying to pass it as a hat, which is kind <laughs> of like the <laughs> subtext to Carl's story. It's a lizard. It'll hang out on my head. No problem. Um in break nine, we, we, we come back to something we talked about earlier, which is that uh, nothing in Carl's life has been planned. He's just seen what happened. Um, it's quite a, a zen go with mm. the flow approach to life. And Wouldn't it be amazing if Carl did become the leader of some type of, like, sect? Yeah, Where he does have this, I can imagine him in, like, what would be his ultimate temple? Like, just some hut on a hill that he doesn't no, want it would be to a come ca- to. it would be a caravan. Yeah. <laughs> that you come and see the wise, um, the wise, bald master Pilkington. Yeah, and he'd have some Jaffa cakes and some tea there for you to have. Yeah. And he'd be like... Drink the tea, have a jack yeah. cake. And you'd tell him your problems and he'd say, I'm not bothered and neither should you be. Um, don't know why he sounds like a beetle. But, yeah, that's a, that's a path that he could go down still. it will. In fact, he'll only be more suited to that role the older he gets. Mm. I wonder if he gets, because he's quite easily, last week we heard about how frustrated he was with the elderly gentleman who was a removalist. He's quite easily irritated as a young man. Mm. Which way will he go as he moves into old man? Will mm. he be... Because it can go either way. You can get more agitated and being angry on men. But also I know older uh, men who kind of mellow out. They, they soften, yeah. Uh, yeah, it does go one or two ways. There, there's still a world in which um, Carl becomes like a Piers Morgan type uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. right-wing commentator. <laughs> just angry at everything. I would love that, but not politics. Not y- yeah, yeah, he just has yeah. some type of show where he rants about like... <laughs> Yeah, uh, that you know that chip packets are getting smaller. Yes, shrinkflation. Um, yeah, and then uh, and then we uh, get the hammered up story, which uh, which is 
broadly true. They see we use this like pig fat actors to get makeup off. And then Carl asks again about MTV, how much will he get? Um, because he just moved to a house thinking he was working at XFM. Um, also, I thought interesting about that, the confidence he has in his job. Would yeah, you, yeah. in any of the radio jobs you've ever had, would you buy a house near the station? Yeah, no, I'm even scared about like signing a year-long lease yeah. to rent because things seem to change so quickly. Actually, I do know a radio announcer who worked on your station who bought a house near the station. Do you? We'll oh, talk really? about that afterwards. Okay. But I think they were on a wage that they could buy a few houses, so it wasn't a big oh, issue. good for them. <laughs> yeah. I've just heard about someone else who's like a very high-paid breakfast host who uh, who was just like, oh, yeah, just bought it. Bought another house, like, on a whim. Why not? Yeah, why not? If you can, why not? I don't, like, you know, each to their own. If that's, the, if that's what you're able to do, great. But I don't like when they then pretend on air to be an everyman or, an, you know, they pretend to that they're still battling it out. Yeah, yeah that's what I've heard. heard uh, it's been spoken about what, so what, what uh, Dave, comedian Dave Hughes has managed to do. He, start, he made his way making jokes about how he's on the dole mm. and now he, like, owns one of the houses that was on the block and stuff. But he's still, he's still managing to, to, keep, to make, his keep it that persona relatable. that, like, I'm struggling, uh, but not, you know, like, but now it's a different kind of, uh, like, the stress that it causes. But I don't think he's trying to pretend... That he's not rich. No, that's the yeah, thing. He's yeah. leaning into it, yes, and yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. "I am a, I am a bogan from Warnable who's now got too much yeah. money." And I think Australians love that. Yeah, because we go, "Oh, he's done good." Yeah, uh, but I don't like it when people. Um, it's like they, it's like they tell a story about a house party to sound relatable, but it was it, the reality was it was like some dinner party that they put they on. They rented out like the whole catered. restaurant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's That's like, what uh, it was. I heard Will Anderson talking to Dave Hughes uh, on his podcast and he said, like, there are elements of my success which I feel I should keep secret because it's not something that will be palatable to an audience. But but you, Dave Hughes, have managed to um, cross, like, not not be constrained by that. You don't have to hide your success. You, you embrace it and, and it becomes a part of your thing. So, yeah, totally, totally. Um, uh, Ricky sort of as well. He's like always, you know, he came from a working class estate in Reading and now lives in uh, a very big house. Although he does enjoy at this stage of his stardom, just throwing mm. in, in this one he mentions that he was at a dinner party yeah. that Jonathan Russ had put yeah. on. He doesn't mind yeah. saying that he's rubbing shoulders with uh, the entertainment elite. Uh, they end the show in such a great way to end a radio show, which is just recap what happened. Um, it's probably the laziest approach, but why not? On the show today, guys, yeah. what you've missed, what you can catch up in the podcast. Yeah. Oh, it's 2002. Podcasts don't exist yet. I don't uh, mind that though, because it kind of adds some texture. It makes it sound like that it was a, that something was happening. Well, we came up, I think it was on this show, the idea that, um, at the end of a show, you do that break, but you make up what was, what was on yeah. the show to make it sound much bigger. Um, did you have a favorite bit? Yeah, well, it has to be just that I liked the crab story. I thought it was interesting. I'm going to stick with Carl's mum's Rockbusters. What was your favourite one? Uh, This group has lots of ideas. Imagination. (laughs) Next week on the show, Series 2, Episode 17, Claire Sturge is back in for Carl. Now, I just want to, instead of saying what's on the show, I'll just read this comment below the video on YouTube. 
We all love Carl. No one is denying that, but let's be honest here. Claire made the shows, in inverted commas, better. No Carl brought the best out of them. Ricky and Steve have way more energy when Carl's absent. They both are uh, way funnier, especially Steve. Steve is at his most hilarious when there's no Carl. So that's on the next show. And I think it speaks to what you said about like them going too far the other way. I feel like next week, next show, is going to be a bit of a reset. Yeah, true. Also, I was just thinking, yeah, I wonder if you edited out everything Steve said in this episode, how many minutes it would be. It would probably yeah. be under five. Yeah. So there's been so it's been a few weeks now since we've heard anything really substantial from them. So on the next show, we will hear that that bit of reinvigoration, a bit of Steve and Carl, um, Steve and Ricky, um, as the headliners. So that's next time on the show. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com, Carly Pilk Boys. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, it helps like validate us doing this and persisting with it. Sure. So if you can kick us a couple of bucks, it's two dollars a month, the uh, entry level. So um, please get around that. If you're not already, you can contact us, carlypilkboyspod at gmail.com. Instagram, Zach Manders on Instagram and TikTok. It's where he does his finest work, uh, Z-A-C-H-M-A-N-D-E-R. And uh, I'm David Ferrier, Cartoons. Zach, we haven't um, worked on that idea. Zach Mandarins teaches you Mandarin Zach Mandarin. Yeah, in China or something like that. Yeah, anyway. All right. See you next time. Bye. She was so shocked, a hair fell out. <laughs> <laughs>